back to See and Free Studio. So glad to have you all here. I want to talk about why See and Free Studio is so important to me and hopefully to you. Uh, I meet a lot of people who are suffering with, I would say, low self-esteem, or maybe they feel like they're succeeding, but at a high personal cost. And I really want to change that. I want people to see their value. I want them to see what drives them inside, that internal motivation. And that's much bigger than a job or a degree or a hobby. It's, it's who you are. Uh, not just what you do, but who you are. And I think when you know who you are, it gets you through some of your best times and certainly gets you through your tough times. And I've had the pleasure of meeting some people who have really tapped into what makes them special. I call it our unique, special, different, our USD. One of those people is here with me today. Uh, Today's guest, he has a great job, he has a great degree, and he has amazing skills. But we're going to learn what really drives him beyond that. And Harris Conter, he is a wealth management specialist at Raymond James in Atlanta, Georgia. And I want to just read off some of the things he's done. He was a rising star at his firm, and he was in the top 40 under 40 in Atlanta when I met him, which for anyone who doesn't know, that means you're the top 40 of whatever you do. (laughs) And that was Harris. He's got extensive nonprofit experience, specifically helping LGBTQ families and international human rights. I met Harris on a nonprofit board for LGBTQ families uh, across the Southeast United States. And he has dedicated his his practice to really helping families like mine. People don't realize that a lot of us didn't have protections for our families, for our estates, for our finances until not too long ago. Uh, And so when Harris decided to dedicate his practice to help families like that, uh, we are internally indebted, indebted to him. I know my family is, and I know many of my friends are as well. Harris is a special and unique person. I call him for lots of things. He's my, I call him my supreme decision support on everything from jobs to healthcare plans uh, across the board. So with that, I want to thank him and I want to welcome him, Harris Conter. Thank you for having me, Jen. You're welcome, sir. How's it going down there in Atlanta? Ah, it's wonderful. It's like 50 degrees and gray. What more could you ask for? (laughs) Gray. I, I might be able to ask for more, but thank you. <laughs> um, it's actually raining here in LA. To beat the expectations. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, Harris, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what you're doing these days. Uh, yeah, I was born and raised in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, went to the University of Florida. It's, I think it's funny you were talking about um, decision making. Um, I originally uh, got my degree or went to Florida to get a degree in engineering, and then midway through my junior year decided to completely switch and go into the business school, um, which only years later would I really appreciate the value of that decision. And um, I have a feeling we'll we'll talk a little more about the decision-making process. Um, Right now, I'm not doing much. I'm in the middle of a pandemic. Um, Best pandemic I've experienced so far, so that's a big plus. Um, and have, you know, come underground and are living a a general Groundhog's Day existence until we get to the other side of this thing. (laughs) Yes, and I think all of us want to get to the other side. Um, You know, I... I was going to ask you, so how how is work going? Are a lot more people calling you and asking you for advice during this time? Yeah, um, you know, from a market perspective, I spend a lot of time working with my clients um, and their dollars in the market. 
Um, it's been really interesting. Um, I have a small practice of only about 85 families, so we stay pretty close. Um, obviously, we called them when the pandemic first started and have stayed in touch. Um, and, you know, we see spikes. I think when you see a lot of people, um, when our clients have external issues like a pandemic or things going on in their life, they tend to focus on that and kind of segment wealth to the side unless it comes up. So um, we kind of ebb and flow on our communication as our clients' lives um, adjust. Yeah, and I know that about you. You guys were great about sending out information uh, about the potential impacts to families and in our investments uh, for those of us who have have them. You know, Harris, you're you're obviously I, I'm guessing good. I have no way to evaluate if you're good, but you've done well for me. <laughs> so I know that I like you've got, some, no you've got way some to skills. evaluate. That's right. You've got some skills, my friend. But you know, when it comes to that thing that drives you, you know, I call it our USD, our unique, special, and different. What is that for you? Um, so have you shared with your with your uh, viewers or listeners how they can tap into their USD? Yes, by the time they see this episode, they will have some resources on Sea and Free University uh, to be able to do that. And I know that the, I gave you some of those questions uh, when I sent this out. You did. And I would encourage uh, anyone listening or watching this, go through the steps that Jen gave you. I hadn't done it before. Um, and like most things, I'm pretty cynical and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to answer these questions and figure out um, my own little slogan or value statement. But I did. The questions were great. Um, though we can re revisit the superhero question, I, I have some issues with how it's phrased. Um, so uh, I came up with my slogan and it is, I help people see past the artificial barriers and bias in decision making to select the option which is best for them and their family. Mm. So how does that show up in your day to day and in, not only in your practice, but for you personally in your personal life? I'll start with the personal life part and then we'll go to the practice. I think um, I think every day we make thousands and thousands of decisions, most of them um, artificial and have no meaning. For example, I went back and forth several times on which shirt I would wear for this podcast. Um, and hopefully I made the right decision. I know we talked about it a little bit off air. Um, that decision, whether I wore this shirt or the alternative uh, salmon colored shirt, um, probably doesn't matter, right? Um, you've heard the saying, penny wise and pound foolish. I like to think of it as the other way, right? Uh, penny foolish and pound wise. It doesn't really matter which shirt I pick. That one doesn't matter. Um, but as we went through this pandemic and we had to evaluate kindergartner and what were we going to do with his schooling, for example, that was a decision that had more weight. Um, I talked about changing majors. So um, the backstory to that is... Um, so I'd spent three years engineering. Um, my family, when I went to school, I was good at math and science. And um, I come from three generations of, of business owners. And, you know, like all people that want to rebel against, you know, uh, their parents and their family, I'm like, I'm not going into business. So um, I went into engineering and I found I, I just did not like it. It was so dry. It was not for me. Um, and so I decided in the middle of my junior year to withdraw from all my classes and apply to business school. And I have a degree in decision information sciences. Um, so I wrote my parents a seven page letter explaining, here's why I'm dropping out. Here's what I'm going to do to better myself. Um, it was very like a pinpoint moment in my life. And my father and I did not speak for a prolonged period of time after that. His thought was, 
you're of college age, you should be in school. Um, it was very difficult for me to um, know what was right to do and to follow through with it, even knowing um, that, you know, it, it was going to be a tough decision. And so, um, you know, look, years later, everyone looks back and says it was the best decision. And um, I find that a recurring concept in my personal life, um, that you're constantly faced with these decisions and you have to kind of um, break away from all the noise around you and the bias and really get down to what's driving you, where do you want to be, and what is going to set you on that path um, to where you want to be. Yeah, that's great. And I, I think, you know, obviously that plays a role in your work. Um, but, you know, how do you help others in, by using your superpower, uh, your USD? Um, so it's, uh, it's a lot easier when it's not you to identify your own bias and kind of get through it, right? Um, it's much harder when you're in the situation, but for my clients, we get you know calls from the, the really simple, like which type of mortgage should we do, um, to the larger question of, hey, things aren't working out financially. Can we look at either how we're spending money or how we're living our lives? And um, I also have a lot of clients who come and say, um, Yo, I took a job because I'm I'm smart, I'm intelligent, I could do something, and I've made a lot of money, but I want to have a positive impact in the world, and I don't know how to align my money and what I want to do, you know, in a larger sense in the world. And so um, I really like having those decisions. I like talking with people about, you know, when is it right to downshift or retire or, um, you know, just being a sounding board and, and getting to... Um, to really what's the root cause, what's really driving you um, towards where you want to be. Yeah, and I think one thing I've, I've, that's struck me in, in knowing you is that you typically start with people's destination. Uh, I Every time I've seen, well, one, you, when you talk to me, but when I have seen you meet other people uh, that I've introduced you to, you typically start with, you know, what are your hopes and dreams? Where do you want to go? Is that something you typically do is help people uh, start with the destination in mind and then work your way back into where they are today? Yeah, I think you have to, to start at the destination because if you don't know where you're going, you'll never get there, right? Um, you know, you can just progress and do more and, and keep trying to move forward. Um, but a lot of times it's these little forks in the road that you may not notice because you're just plowing straight ahead, right? And you're like, I'm just going to keep on this path I'm on. And so we always like to bring it back to, yo, where do you want to get to? And um, I'll share a great example. Um, I was working with a couple and they had a really finite idea of what they wanted, right? They had this real clear pic picture and they said, at this specific age, we wanna be on this specific coast and we wanna live a low to the ground lifestyle where we're drinking wine and drinking coffee and you know, we think we can do it for 50,000 a year, right? We just need to get to that space. Um, and so I started working with them and time went by and I would get calls from them of, should we buy this? Should we invest in this? I see my other friends making more money doing X, Y, Z. Should we pursue X, Y, Z? And I always bring them back to, this is your vision of, of where you want to get to, right? This island, coastal life. You have a really clear vision. Let's take as little risk as possible and meet that vision and not worry about other people. Not everyone is going to share your vision of where you want to get to. And so the idea of relativity, I think, is something that I learned early on and I think is 
just a really powerful concept, especially when you start talking about wealth and, and richness. Yeah. And I mean, talk about wealth and richness. Like, how do you define that for yourself? What does that mean to you? How do you define it? Um, <laughs> I think that's a great, what is rich? Like you tell me, Jen, let's flip it around. Yeah. What does it mean to be rich? For me, it's about having a fulfilled life. And, uh, and so I, I think you and you and I have had many of this discussion, uh, about, uh, what does that look like and getting clear on what that is. But I think for me, uh, any sort of financial wealth should be catering to that, to a fulfilled life. So that I feel like a good person <laughs> that has achieved many things, but it won't likely be that I give a crap about what's in my bank account at the end of all of it. Um, it'll be more about what has that given me? What kind of life has that given me? Um, and, and I call you, Harris, as you know, for for all kinds of, of things. Uh, when my mother got sick, I called you to get some help to think through long-term care. You know, it's these are life decisions. You're right. Like, you know, these are bigger than than just what shirt to wear. Uh, these are these are very important decisions, um, and they take investments of time, people, and money. Um, and I think you've always done a really good job of balancing that out and helping people stay stay the course. First off, let's let's not downplay the shirt decision. <laughs> This, this will be it seen by literally dozens sure. of people. Um, so, uh, you know, I think the idea of rich, um, I'll tell you a couple of anecdotes. So one, um, about 75 of people, 75 percent of the people who get referred to work with me. Um, the first thing they say to me is, you know, I know I don't have as much money as the person who sent me to you. Um, and it's not always true. I, you know, um, we think we know who is rich based on, you know, the color of shirt they wear or the cars they drive. Um, but, you know, it's always really interesting to um, to see what wealth people have in dollars, right? What's really in the bank? Um, I know doctors who are very well to do. I know doctors who are having a hard time financially and are living more or less paycheck to paycheck. So um, I'll tell you my favorite relative wealth story, a relative richness story. And it's what I use to... Um, for the example of are you rich or who's more richer rather. Um, so I have this client and um, I used to work with her and her husband. They came to me when they were pretty elderly. Um, the husband passed away. And for this discussion, let's just say um, the widow had a million dollars in her account with me and she spent $10,000 a year to live. That's all it took. So 1%, we easily made more than that. Um, and we had, we had a meeting with her and one of her children. And we said, listen, um, Mrs. XYZ, you live, you know, with such a meager means you've um, wanted to do and never gotten the chance to do. And um, she happened to be a Jewish client and she had never been to Israel and it was a life goal of hers to go. And so I told her you could literally spend a hundred thousand dollars, take your entire family, kids, grandkids, the whole, the whole nine yards, take them, spend a hundred thousand and you would still have the same probability of you know, leaving money to your children. What's the difference between leaving your two children half a million dollars each or $450,000 each? Um, well, she wound up not going on the trip. She wound up, for whatever reasons, feeling like she couldn't afford it, couldn't spend the money. Um, she did pass away down the line and, and left her children plenty of money. 
Um, but there's a parallel version of her somewhere who went on that trip to Israel, who had that experience, and who still left money to her children. And the question I pose to people is, between those two versions of herself, which one is richer? One has more money in her account, the other one has this other experience. And I think that's a, a great kind of anecdote to, um, to talk about the relativity um, of wealth and money. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's a, that's a fabulous story. And I think it really, it, it points out, you know, the, to your point, you're getting back to your point, which is about decisions, and helping people frame those decisions and make them. Have there been any times in your life, your your own child, because you said flat out, like, it's easier to help other people, sometimes hard to help myself. Have there been any, any times for you personally, where it's been really tough to do surgery on yourself, so to speak? Oh, uh, uh, all the time. Um, you know, as I think it is important to shine the light on yourself, but it's really hard not to be overly self-critical. And so, um, so one of your questions in how to, how to see and free myself was, um, like you walk into a room and what do you want people to think of you? And, um, I'm like, first off, that's my greatest fear, right? Of walking into a room where I don't know anyone and all these people are like judging me. And so for me, what I have learned is um, I have a, an understanding of my intrinsic values and what I think is right and wrong. And I need to focus less on what other people um, think of me and am I acting in a way that um, I think they'll approve of and really always just drill down. And I actually wrote out my personal value statement. And so, you know, am I being a good husband? Am I being a good father? Am I making the world a better place? Am I being true to the values that I hold um, close? And if I am, then then fine. And, you know, whatever other people think is probably more about them than me. Um, so that for me, anytime I get to a place of like, where should I go? What do I want to do? You know, I always bring it back there um, or I bring it back to, you know, what where do I want to go in my life? What are my life goals? Um, when are you and I going to join this off grid commune and live um, a, a low dollar value life and do some beekeeping? That's right. That is our dream uh, for all the viewers. Uh, Harris and I are going to either buy a ghost town or a commune <laughs> and live together later in life with our families. It's going to be fabulous. Uh, you're all it's welcome. It's going to be this great off-grid off lifestyle that neither of us are prepared So. That's exactly um, right. Goals. That's right. At least I've gone to like survival training. <laughs> You've got some catching up to do. Uh, <laughs> you talked about staying true to your values, and I don't want to keep bringing it back to to work, but I think this is bigger than that from what I know of you. You have dedicated a lot of your practice to helping the LGBTQ community, um, and you yourself are not a, not a member. At least you haven't said so. Um, and so... You know, why, why, what, what makes that an important, uh, you know, value for you? So, um, you know, I didn't start out in this field. And um, when I moved from being an auditor into this field, they, they told, they told us, get into the community, do something that you, you know, feel is impactful so that you add value to the community. And, um, Yo, I'm Jewish, and um, when I was growing up, I had always said, oh, if I was alive during the civil rights era, I would have been one of those people who spoke up for African-American rights, right? Really timely as of now. Um, 
And so I feel like it's really easy to look back and say, like, I would have been one of those people. So um, in early 2000s, in the in the early 2000s, I said, um, I think the LGBT, G, LGBTQ struggle is um, probably the biggest civil rights struggle that I see right now, not to discount anyone else's struggle. Um, and I said, you know, as a as a Jewish person, um, I know that we didn't extract ourselves from the Holocaust. We as Jews did not bring ourselves out. It was through the help of other people that, you know, it wasn't them themselves that were vested. They just wanted, they just saw downtrodden people and said, we want to help. And so um, I put that own value system in and said, you know, shouldn't I help people that need help regardless of if it benefits me? And so, um, you know, that's kind of how you and I met. That's how I got involved in the um, GLBT space and um, the community's been great. And, um, you know, it's been lovely to, to see some progress on that front. Yeah, it has. And, and you're right. And we've made significant progress. I think you and I met in 2008 and uh, uh, there's been a lot of progress. And yet we see everywhere there's much progress to be done uh, for, for many different uh, groups uh, and disenfranchised communities. Uh, and you have also done a lot around that from an international human rights perspective and, and helping a lot of uh, different communities. So thank you, Harris, for that. And uh, we, we really appreciate you. So I want to Stick, I want to move to a section of the show called Random Questions, where I get to ask you to choose between 1 and 25. And these need to be whole numbers, Harris. Just, you know, know how you I don't want you to be too specific. Um, <laughs> 1 to 25, what do you want to choose? I'm going to say 17. 17. All right. Question 17 is, ooh, we are looking at the canvas of your fulfilled life. What do we see? That is a very abstract question. Um, so, so this is a painting that is descriptive of my overall life. Yeah, Did you hear when I said eighteen, not seventeen? Um, uh, I imagine like a nice stream, maybe some mountains in the background. Uh, um, uh, listen, I, I don't, I don't necessarily believe in that. I, you can have like a fully fulfilled life. I, I kind of think that you have to always be pushing forward. Um, I joke all the time that I'm like, I want to peak at 50. Um, so I've still got 10 years to go. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think if you were looking at the, the canvas of my fulfilled life, you'd see a quarter of the canvas still empty um, because I just want, you know, if I'm good today, I should be a little better tomorrow. Yeah, that's great. I love it. And I love that you got that question. <laughs> <laughs> the more abstract, the better. Uh, uh. So one of the things we're also doing on the show, uh, you know, we're not trying to make any money. I know. Please don't get mad at me. There's no, no money making here, my friend. Uh, but what we really want to do is spotlight, um, you know, nonprofits who do need our money uh, and who need our help. And, you know, I want to help see and free as many of these organizations as possible through through this podcast. And you have a really um, uh, good one that I had actually uh, looked up. And when we were preparing for the show called Concrete Jungle, and it's it's in Atlanta. Would you mind telling everyone a little bit about it? Sure. Concrete Jungle is a uh, is a local charity nonprofit here. And I think the idea certainly can be extracted across the U.S. Um, a, a couple youngsters many years ago noticed that there were all these apple trees where the apples were just falling to the ground. 
And so they started going to public lands and private lands and asking the owners, could we tend to these trees? And when they produce fruit, can we take and harvest the fruit? And then we'll give it to people who need food. And so um, they have slowly expanded and expanded and expanded their blueprint um, across the US, uh, across Atlanta. And so we see all the different um, types of fruits and vegetables they're able to harvest. And then underprivileged people that need fruits and vegetables. I love organizations that um, take inefficiencies in the system and then, you know, Yo, you don't have to change much, right? This is a group that said, we just see waste within the system and we want to you know, make it more efficient and deliver it to the people that need it. So it's a great organization. Um, they always need money because they're always looking to get more trees planted and get more land out there. So um, visit them, support them. Thank you. Yeah, please do. Uh, you know, let's support concrete jungle. And I hope we create more <laughs> concrete jungles. I think a lot of these urban areas could use organizations like that. And just the community involvement sounds amazing. So please, uh, please support concrete jungle. We'll put up the, the code at the very end again. Uh, and all you need to do is take your phone, walk up and snap, take a snapshot of the QR code, and it'll take you right to, to the concrete jungle page. So Harris, thank you for for joining me today um, and doing the show I really appreciate it I think you have uh, a lot to bring to the world and your USD is much needed so thank you for coming on thank you for being uh, a great advisor and friend I really appreciate it my pleasure Jen thanks for having me you're welcome with that, everyone, uh, that's the end of the show. I want to remind everyone to please subscribe to cnfreestudio.com. You can check us out on YouTube or my LinkedIn, uh, Jennifer Longian. Please uh, subscribe if you get a chance so that you have all of these cool videos pop up in between your viewings of military homecomings and those cute puppy videos. You know where to find us. Yeah.